When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Come on, Uncle Jim. Party start. Hear that music? From South Bend, Indiana. That's in America. It's sports yet. This is Jimmy Shorts. Thank you, Studio DNA Podcast Network. And here's your host, Corey Mann. An Indiana Broadcast Hall of Famer, Chuck Reeve. That's good. Now turn it off. Welcome to Sports Yak. My name is Corey Mann, and not with me is Chuck Freeby. He is on vacation, well-deserved, before his busy part of the season really starts to kick in. Got a special episode for you today. One of the greatest, if not the greatest, mascot in sports history. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. It's a Sports Yak exclusive as I go one-on-one with the San Diego Chicken, Ted Giannolis. Did I say that right? Yes, that's right, Corey. Thank you. All right. Nice to talk with you, sir. Appreciate it. Well, I'm honored that you asked me on. Thank you. Let's, uh, I'm going to jump around a little bit, but let's, go, let's do an origin story like a superhero. What was life like for Ted... What were you doing? What were you into previous to 1974? Well, believe it or not, um, I was a college student at San Diego State University, just uh, uh, majoring in journalism, taking my classes, and the only work that I had previously to that was as a dishwasher. And uh, th- that was it, you know, in high school and, uh, and uh, in the, uh, my college days. So no, no real extensive uh, job training of any kind. So when you uh, went to San Diego State and you enrolled uh, in classes in journalism, like, what did you want to do with your life? Did you want to work in a newspaper? or? Yes, absolutely. I wanted to work in sports uh, and journalism, uh, but uh, with emphasis on sports, or perhaps even be a sports broadcaster, but mostly I was looking at it uh, uh, for the, the, the written newspaper ju- uh, and printed journalism uh, field. Ted, did you, are you, uh, is your home home base San Diego? Is that where you grew up? No, originally I grew up in London, Ontario, Canada, and then um, uh, we got our green cards, and uh, my dad moved the entire family, uh, my sisters, my mom. We all came to San Diego because, uh, being of Greek heritage, he really loved the weather in San Diego and how it reminded him of Athens so much. And so uh, we moved down here in 69, and I've been I've been here ever since. Actually, was uh, any of the San Diego teams were they your teams? Being a sports fan, no, not really. No, no, I really loved the Giants uh, in baseball. I loved uh, uh, the Montreal Canadiens in hockey, 
and um, but uh, still it was um, it was still amusing for me to come here. They had minor league hockey, which I enjoyed here in San Diego, which was really off the wall at uh, back in in those days, late sixties, early seventies, hockey in California, and then um, and uh, but then I've, I I came to uh, appreciate the. Uh, uh, the Padres back in those early days. They were just an expansion team, but uh, it was they were still fun to watch, even though they would lose every night. 1974, what happened that year? Well, that's the year that, uh, as, uh, as I guess I uh, was a sophomore, yeah, sophomore uh, in, in college, and um, I was approached uh, at a campus radio station to, uh, uh, to dress up uh, in a chicken suit for two bucks an hour for a real rock and roll radio station. And the whole premise of being a, a radio promotion, Corey, was just to go to the zoo and give away candy Easter eggs for two bucks an hour. And so I agreed to do this with the whole premise of just getting my foot in the door at a real radio station. And so as a result, I did that uh, um, a promotional bit for about uh, 10 days or so. And then uh, thinking this would, might be a good way to get into the Padre games for free, especially on opening night, I called up the Padres to see if they let me come down. And still, while representing the radio station, I went to opening night and started cavorting around in the grandstands. Fans seemed to have fun with it, and the rest became chicken history. Ted, that blows my mind, the comment you just made, because I've, I've been in radio since I got out of high school in 1987, and we, would, we had you know a promotional department, and they would make the phone call if they had a mascot or whatever, but you took the initiative to call the Padres and go, on behalf of, I believe it was KGB, is that the station? Yes, that's correct. On behalf of the station, I'd like to come down and just be a part of it. And they were like, yeah, okay, we don't, we don't have anything in place like that, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was very novel, extremely unique. And and uh, at that point, uh, the, the Padres were actually ready uh, the, the over the winter before they were ready to move to Washington, D.C. because of bad attendances and just lack of... Uh, interest for uh, San Diego fans but uh, they had a new owner Ray Kroc the uh, one of the uh, really for all intents and purposes the, the father of McDonald's sure and he said uh, he was going to revamp the team and, and 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 make it the winner and spend a few bucks to, to, to get the team going so there was uh, it generated a lot of excitement in town but um, you know I just I, I you know, came in on 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 the tailwind of that, I suppose, and uh, you know, uh, it just started uh, like I say, fooling around in the grandstands, having fun. The spirit was great among fans, and it just kind of like uh, took off from there. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Sports Yak welcomes Mark Martell and the Ultimate Queen celebration to the Silver Creek Event Center at Four Winds in New Buffalo, Michigan, Saturday night, September 7th. Chuck and Corey are big Queen fans and even bigger Mark Martell fans. So let's put you in the audience that night. Win two tickets to the show. Simply drop us an email at the sports yak with two K's at gmail.com. In the subject line, put Queen. Enter as often as you'd like. No purchase necessary. Winner announced Friday, August 30th. Mark Martell's vocals will blow your mind. 
and all your favorite Queen songs performed to perfection. Activate your name today with an email to the Sports Yak. Sports Yak with two Ks at gmail.com. This is Don Fisher, the voice of Indiana football, and you're listening to Sports Yak, the number one sports podcast on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Actually, the only sports podcast on the network. Who are the Padres playing that night? Your very first game. Yeah, they were playing the Houston Astros, believe it or not, and they, and they lost that game. And what was significant about it was that uh, uh, Mr. Croc was so upset uh, that night with the, how the Padres were playing that he actually it took the PA microphone and, it, and apologized to all the fans for the bad baseball that they were seeing that night. And it was really something. Uh, it was unprecedented that an owner would take uh, to the uh, public address announcer um, and and uh, just uh, berate his own players and, and apologize to the fans for the, uh, I think he called it lousy baseball that we were all watching. So, Ted, you get done with that game. You, you, you've you kind of launched your stick, if you will. Did they call you back, or did you just keep pursuing saying, hey, I'd like to come back and do this? No, the Padres were very open to all kinds of ideas, and so they were open to, uh, to mine right away. And uh, they let me continue to come down, uh, provided I gave them, um, uh, you know, some plugs on the radio, which was, no problem whatsoever, and uh, I just cavorted, like I say, throughout the grandstands, and it just grew from there, and uh, they got to see that uh, the fans were taking to what I was doing, and uh, they seemed to be enjoying it, and uh, it just uh, seemed to work itself out, but uh, by and large, it was the Padres that really encouraged me to try and do more things and more things as time progressed. That's amazing. Did the the station, like, create the costume at the beginning, or do they go out and rent one and just kind of keep it? What's what's the story of the costume? No, they actually rented a suit uh, off the shelf of a local costume company. Uh, th- there was no grandiose plan, Corey. It was just a uh, one-week, ten-day promotion. Uh, they just uh, rented the suit, uh, tried to find a college kid to dress up in it. Uh, but uh, with me, they found that uh, I put a little more initiative into it, a, a deeper thought process to it. I try to attract attention for myself. And it, it just manifested into this full-fledged promotion that caught the radio station off guard, that caught the, the entire community off guard, because what I try to do is bring a little humor to what I was doing, a little animation, and so it just uh, grew from there. But the first costume was a papier-mâché outfit. It wasn't all that attractive, quite honestly. It was uh, highly unusual to see anybody dressed up in, a, in an animal costume attend a Padre game night after night after night. Uh, Corey, this was at a time when, when fans did not uh, paint their faces, did not come to a game shirtless. Uh, it, this was really uh, really out of the blue and extraordinary, and uh, it, it caught everybody off guard. But uh, working for a rock and roll radio station, we relished the idea of something so improvisational and, and off the wall, and, and it attracted attention for what uh, the radio station was looking for. And because of that attention, Ted, did you ever, were you going anyplace else, or did it strictly become a, a San Diego Padres promotion? No, eventually, Corey, it started branching out into other public events, other sports events. Then I got invitations to parades. I started getting invitations to go to various store grand openings and such. 
and uh, it just got to continue to snowball in that direction. It got to be uh, to the point where the chicken was a quite ubiquitous figure around town, and uh, we saw something that was really uh, that we had really backed into and and hadn't realized, and it was guerrilla marketing. You know, trying to market ourselves in unusual ways in the public eye, um, on the spot, where you would normally not see any kind of a, uh, advertising, attention, or promotion for uh, a completely different product than you're expecting. So, uh, like I say, it just uh, built itself up to the point where we were doing our own standalone promotions. Uh, for example, I'd, um, on weekends, I'd give away a ton of watermelon around town. In, from a refrigerated truck, uh, complete in chicken suit, just going around, and we announced to each location every hour, and people would show up, listeners would show up, and we would hand them watermelon, you know, <laughs> free watermelon, <laughs> or give away albums or concert tickets, much along the same vein. So uh, we were having fun with it, and uh, uh, it got to the point where the chicken was uh, a, a well-known celebrity among the radio station listeners, and, of course, eventually, even among people who did listen to us in San Diego. So you, uh, you're you a sophomore when you first put on the suit. You graduate college. Did you go into journalism, or, or like, when did the chicken become, like, a full-time job? Well, it really consumed me after I was graduated from San Diego State in 76, and uh, I just devoted all my time towards it. It uh, and uh, I really did not pursue too much of my uh, uh, journalism degree whatsoever. I just figured I would ride this off, uh, until it burnt itself out. But the unique thing is, uh, Corey, it never did. Never did burn itself out. As I was uh, getting more creative with uh, uh, comedy vignettes and the comedy bits I would do at games, it uh, it endeared itself to the fans, to the listeners, and it just grew from there. So it was. Uh, it was uh, almost like a folk hero in San Diego. Ted, what was game day like? Did you become, like, they got a parking spot for you? You got to get there a couple hours before the game. Walk me through a game day back then. Well, back then I used to dress in a van and uh, just uh, walk through the turnstiles, you know, or eventually <laughs> through the pl- or eventually through the player's entrance, you know. Uh, but uh, I would come and then uh, perform in the grandstands um, and then uh, uh, exit the premises. But I would do... Uh, it wouldn't be uncommon for me to do uh, uh, several engagements on, on a single night. I would do a, a ball game. I would also go to uh, uh, a, a packed movie theater and, and, and goof around up, up by the stage during the trailers. I would go to discotheques uh, I would, uh, yeah, and, and nightclubs. I would do all kinds of, um, uh, of uh, extracurricular activity to draw attention for the radio station as a public figure. Again, improvising at all these events. Uh, just off the cuff. Was there ever a time, Ted, when the chicken became a property of the Padres, or was it, uh, that, that's kind of where I, I was doing my homework and the story got a little fuzzy for me? No, it was never a property of the Padres whatsoever. It was always, uh, to begin with, uh, the property of the radio station, but then um, when they were offered the rights to, to buy the character, they turned it down. They turned it down more than once. And that's when I stepped in and actually uh, paid for the character myself and took it over. And uh, the station was upset at the time. They thought they owned it lock, stock, and barrel. That's why they didn't really um, uh, go after it and, and, and pay money. But uh, I purchased the copyrights uh, to the character from the 
manufacture it. And this was this was a a different chicken suit than the one that was rented originally off the shelf, which was paper mache. Uh, over time, it evolved into a, a new character or a new new materials and 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 a new um, uh, image, much like a Bugs Bunny evolved from the years uh, over the years or uh, Mickey Mouse. Uh, evolved over the years. That's how the chicken evolved. But uh, it, this was a, a better-looking outfit uh, that uh, that I had uh, obtained from the uh, manufacturer, and um, I just ran with it uh, after that. But uh, to answer your question directly, no, it was never ever the property of the Padres. I just associated so much with them uh, year after year with 81 home games that it got to be uh, second nature uh, for them. You know, I saw one of those original photos of the original chicken suit to where, you know, in my mind, how I grew up with how how he looks now, it reminds me of that scene in the Batman movies where he's like, I'm going to need to be able to move my head a little bit better to fight crime. And you really, it was, I'm guessing it was like learning for the first time how to make a chicken suit that you could kind of do what you do best in to make you more mobile. Oh, yes, yes. Absolutely, and uh, the first one was per- pretty difficult to work with, but um, afterwards, um, yeah, I got a lighter outfit and uh, much more uh, mobilized for me. I could be more animated, and that's when the character really took off, especially with fans. It looked like a cartoon come to life. June of 1979, tell me about that particular game, and I think you know the one I, I speak of. Yes, it's the Grand Hatching. And to, to culminate it, uh, I had been fired by the radio station over our career differences, uh, especially in the costume itself, uh, of, over the rights for it. So they fired me, filed a lawsuit to prevent me from branching out on my own. But the courts ended up ruling in my favor and made me a free agent chicken. And so as a result, um, basically, uh, on this particular night, I was uh, to hatch out of a gigantic styrofoam egg to debut my new chicken suit on my own, based off of my old style of, of costume, and uh, promoted it at the Padre game. More than 47,000 people sold out Jack Murphy Stadium just for this event. And it was a pregame uh, event where I, I came out on top of an armored truck with Highway Patrol escort and uh, led onto the field. And then uh, players lowered the egg off the armored truck onto the diamond itself. And there, as I rolled around onto the infield, I burst out of this huge styrofoam egg to the 2001 musical theme uh, to debut my my new chicken feather, so to speak. And uh, I got a 10-minute standing ovation for it. It was uh, the, the town was pretty wrapped up over the. Um, over over my firing and and uh, being cast aside and here I was making a comeback on my own so to speak and the town was there to support me and it was quite an amazing turnout. What made it even more amazing is that uh, I negotiated with the Padres for an attendance deal that night uh, if if we sold out the game and they ended up paying me for that evening uh, more than forty thousand dollars for the appearance as a result. So it was quite extraordinary but every nickel of that money went to lawyers it was kind of like a defense fee for me there was nobody if i remember correctly there was nobody doing the mascot chuck and jive like you were doing so you were coming up with this stuff all on your own that's correct that's right in the time that i call bc 
before Chicken, there, there were no professional mascots or any mascots really to speak of for that uh, matter. Uh, you might see them on occasion on the sidelines of a college game, of course. Um, and in my own high school, we had a mascot, but it was a, a cheerleader that would pop on a, a cardinal head and run up and down the sidelines for about 30 seconds, and that was the extent of it. But um, uh, to, to the effect that uh, somebody would wear this, uh, to wear any costume at a professional sports event or an amateur sporting event all the time, nonstop like this, uh, it was it was highly unusual, uh, and and like I say, for me it was a, it was a livelihood. Albeit when I was with the radio station, it was two bucks an hour, but still it was a livelihood. But then again, I saw this as an opportunity uh, to break into bigger things in in radio or communications. But uh, the the unique thing was that uh, I got to be such a good chicken. I was never offered other job opportunities as a result at the at the station. Ted, do you remember your first time outside of the state of California as the chicken? Oh yeah, in fact, uh, oh I got invited. I you know the first time it was really something. The St. Louis Cardinals were visiting San Diego uh, over the years, and uh, one year in 1976, they were so taken with what I was doing in the grandstands that the team itself, the players, right from the clubhouse itself, they called me and uh, decided to, to fly me into St. Louis to perform for their fans. They literally pooled their kangaroo court money that they were normally saving up for an after-season party, and they decided, no, well, instead, let's fly in the chicken and put them up and have them perform for us for a couple of nights here with our fans. And so that's what they did in August of 1976. It was highly unusual, and uh, I was really taken aback by it. When the front office heard what the players were, were doing, uh, they stepped in and they volunteered. They say, hey, we'll take care of his expense. You guys save your kangaroo court money for the party. We'll fly him in for you. But it was all the players' idea at the time. Sportsiac has your tickets to the Brickyard. Sunday, August 8th in Indianapolis, it's the 26th edition of this historic race. You'll be in the stands for the Big Machine Vodka 400 at the Brickyard, powered by Florida Georgia Line. Here's how to win. Simply drop us an email at thesportsiac with two Ks at gmail.com. In the subject line, put Brickyard. Enter as often as you'd like. No purchase necessary. Winner announced Friday, August 30th. Don't wait. Email us now for Brickyard tickets from Sportsiac in partnership with VisitIndy.com. This is Tim Newton, voice of Purdue football. Catch every Boilermaker game on Pulse FM. Now back to Sportsiac. Ted, being the chicken and how great you are, you were, you are at it. Like celebrities, you started rubbing uh, feathers with some pretty big names back in the day. Oh, yeah, yeah. I started getting in, in, invited uh, uh, up to Hollywood. I, I would go on stage with uh, uh, rock and roll bands. Um, uh, Sammy Hager invited me up on his encore uh, to goof around with the band. Well, you know, So I was uh, uh, dancing around uh, on there. Uh, on stage, um, it was uh, uh, really something. I was invited uh, uh, to join um, uh, President Ford on stage at a at a huge rally with him. It was uh, pretty crazy stuff uh, at the time, uh, and um, I would do uh, uh, lots of um, lots of events in, in San Diego. 
in in the 70s but uh maybe the uh one of the greatest moments was uh when i upstaged elvis presley uh at one of his concerts in uh in 1976 in april and it was an extraordinary moment actually when uh, he was performing at the sports arena before a huge crowd and uh uh, while I was uh, in attendance there in my own chicken suit, and he starts breaking into a medley uh, of uh, Jerry Lee Lewis songs, especially a whole lot of shaking going on, that's when I decided to descend down to the stage from the grandstands and start dancing in front of the stage. And to his astonishment, he cracked up so big over this that he literally had to compose himself. He dropped to one knee and, and could not continue with the song, he was so out of breath from laughing so hard watching me dance up and down in front of his in front of his stage, not on stage with him, but just below there uh, in the front row, that he lost it. It got to the point where his own doctor had to run on stage with his black bag because he thought he was having a seizure. And uh, literally, Elvis shook him off, you know, pointed to me, and the, and the doctor left again in a huff, uh, didn't realize that uh, uh, Elvis was laughing so hard that he had he was just taking a moment to compose himself, but he finally finished the song, and then uh, and then <laughs> it was amazing. He apologized to the audience for flubbing the number, but then he turned to the audience. He says, "I don't know who put the chicken up to this, but I want to warn the chicken. My manager's name is the Colonel." And with that, I darted out of the arena completely, pretending I was scared. And uh, that's where the security caught up to me and, and bum-rushed me right out of the arena that night. But it was a hysterical moment uh, for, for everyone, the audience, Elvis, and myself. It was like a comedy sketch that you put together, but that was just all off the cuff. That's right. That's right. So much of what I did back then was um, uh, really off the cuff. And, uh, and eventually, when I started uh, going across country by invitation of these teams, these various sports teams to perform. The, uh, what I what I did was actually um, just uh, not only improvise, but I would remember uh, bits that worked and got big laughs in the past, and uh, made them a permanent part of my repertoire. Ted Giannolis is the famous chicken largest group you've ever performed in front of. Oh, I would say uh, that's uh, that's pretty easy. It's not a baseball or a football game. It was actually uh, Mardi Gras down in New Orleans. I was uh, invited to be a, a, a um, grand marshal at the uh, at the crew of Thor at the time, and uh, uh, for uh, for their Mardi Gras parade. And I never saw such humanity in all my life. There must have been a good half million people that just jammed the the streets for blocks and blocks and blocks beyond belief. It was unbelievable. It, it was a parade route that literally took more than an hour and uh just extraordinary to see that but uh, uh there i was on the float and uh uh it was uh, quite a moment i've got to say uh, you know just uh, going throughout the the streets like that and uh but that, that's the most humanity i ever saw at uh at one venue ted did you go out of your way to keep anonymity or did people know you around town was like there he is there's the chicken no, no, it was uh, I was public when I wanted to be public and private when I chose to be private. I never photographed out of character. I enjoyed it, and, and though it would be great for my ego, uh, I decided, you know, that to make this character special, 
almost like uh, a Batman mystique. You know, I'll, I'll forego any uh, personal uh, attention for myself. Let the chicken get all the attention, and uh, I'll stay low profile. And to this day, I've never really photographed out of character. But it's always been you since the very beginning. It, no one's ever stood in. You never took like a sick night and you had like a, a, a sibling or a spouse or your, your best buddy. It's always been you. I've never missed a single game whatsoever in, in all my years of, of performing. Uh, never once. Now, there have been a, 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 a few situations. One time I did a Sports Center commercial with Pete Sampras where um, the idea is that uh, this, this wild-eyed chicken character is going crazy around the ESPN uh, studios and pulling these practical jokes and pranks on everyone. And then, uh, and then, we, sh- uh, that, then uh, we see the reveal of, of when the chicken takes a break uh, under a tree and removes his head to take a sip of water. It's really Pete Sampras, you know, one of the legendary um, tennis players of his day back in the day, who was very mild-mannered. So that was a sketch. There was also another time um, at a WWF, uh, as it was known back then, World Wrestling Federation, Super Slam, I guess. They, uh, yeah, it was Super Slam or WrestleMania. That's what it was, WrestleMania, where Pete Rose uh, uh, literally donned my, my costume as if uh, as part of the, the deal is that he stole my outfit uh, when I wasn't looking and... Uh, and uh, dressed to go out and confront uh, one of his arch nemesis in, in the ring, who was having a running feud with, and that was Kane. And uh, and Kane just pile drived him into the, uh, he ripped off his head to expose it was uh, Pete Rose, and pile drived him into the canvas, you know, at, the, at re- one of the WrestleManias. So uh, that was enjoyable. But uh, uh, again, I had made an appearance earlier in WrestleMania, but. Uh, the encore appearance uh, this time it was uh, Pete Rose himself, uh, so in in, uh, in my guise, so to speak. But um, yeah, for all the sports events that fans have ever seen me, it's uh, always been me in the outfit. As I was doing my homework, I googled uh, top mascots of all time and many different lists. I saw that, uh, and I, you know, we're calling you from South Bend, Indiana, the Leprechaun at Notre Dame. Uh, has made a couple of the lists, but uh, Ranker.com is a um, an active list. It's just constantly you are allowed to vote anytime, and you're uh, as as we speak the number one mascot in sports entertainment of all time. And you you were a lot of those, like top three, top five on those lists. And Ted, are you still in the suit? Are you still performing to this day? Well, I'm in semi retirement now, Corey. I'm I, you know, and I've been for the last few years. Um, so I'm not as active as I used to be. I used to be on the road about 250 days of the year, uh, going nationwide and around the world. But um, uh, but after 40, it's been 44 years now of, of performing. You know, I've pulled in my horns a little bit and uh, taking it much more easier now. Uh, so I'm not out there as as I used to be. Of course, you know, nobody can play forever, and. Uh, I still enjoy it whenever I am out there, and I do a, a few cameo appearances, and I do a few uh, TV commercials uh, now and then. But, um, but uh, yeah, I've really curtailed, like I say, my, uh, my cross-country travels. I used to come into South Bend all the time for the Silverhawks. How enjoyable it was there at Kovaleski Stadium with those fans. It's just so enjoyable. And, um, uh, you know, I enjoyed every aspect of, of uh 
of performing, and I still do, like I say, to this day. But, uh, you know, it comes a time where, uh, you know, you just have to pull it back a little bit and, and enjoy some other life experiences. So when you're done, Ted, is the chicken done, or are you open to, you know, someone uh, taking up the mantle? Where, where are you at with that? Well, right now, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a little perplexed. I'm still not sure, Corey. You know, there was a time where I said, oh, when the day comes, I hang it up. You know, it'll be like uh, Babe Ruth's number three. I'll hang it up, and uh, no one else gets to wear it. But so many fans have uh, really told me, uh, sports fans have told me, you know, the legacy's got to continue somehow. You just can't uh, give it up, much like the way Mickey Mouse has continued um, after Walt Disney, you know, or Bugs Bunny continues as well. You know, all these characters, they still they still live on. And so um, it's being, you know, really suggested to me that uh, maybe somehow uh, the legacy should continue in, in another form, um, maybe as a protege or something, but still not sure about that and so i'm debating it in my mind uh, to, uh, to be perfectly frank about it cool website you still do autographs you still uh have opportunities for fans and what a cool throwback for someone my age to open up a present and it'd be a an autographed chicken picture but you've got that and you know your story as well you got some videos on there you got your biography and and uh i i like your website it's it's clean and neat and uh Pretty nostalgic, too. Oh, well, you're very kind, yes. Uh, fans still send me uh, trading cards that they have of me. Uh, you know, I've been in uh, one of the unique situations I've, I've, I've enjoyed is that um, there was a baseball card set back in 1982 that started it, Don Russ. They actually put my image, my chicken image, in an actual baseball card set, which was unprecedented. And so... Fans still send me all those cards uh, from 82, 83, all throughout the 80s that they collected. And now uh, Panini, another company, is, is, is um, uh, uh, making them for uh, Don Russ and, and sending me uh, these, uh, these collectible cards that, that, that fans uh, gather, you know, and uh, I autograph them all. I autograph them personally and send them all back. So, yeah, it continues. Uh, it continues. I was always warned, once you go on a baseball card, fans are going to send it to you for life. So you better get ready to sign them. And I do. I, I enjoy it. Let's see here. One more question, and then and then we'll wrap things up. When would you say was the fevered pitch height of the popularity of the chicken? When would you say that was? Wow, I would say, boy, I, looking back, Corey, the, the 70s was big, the 80s, the 90s. And then as we went into the uh, new century, boy, oh, boy, I would say, um, boy, if I had to pick um, one era, I would probably say had to have been, um, oh, the late 80s to the mid-90s, right in there. Uh, it was at a time when uh, baseball was really having a, a renaissance, especially at the minor league level. A lot of new stadiums were being built. And um, I think Kovaleski Stadium uh, may have been built about uh, 86, 87, right in there. And uh, it, was, uh, it was really something. Uh, everywhere um, I went, uh, just enjoying sellouts uh, every night that I performed. And uh, it was doing well for major league teams, minor league teams. It was uh, really something. Um, so, yeah, that I would say uh, that really was a, a, a peak. But... Uh, there could be other situations ahead that, uh, you know, in terms of media and communication and films and 
who knows what, you know. I'm, I'm being urged to write a, a chicken book of comedy memoirs, so I might do that. Uh, who knows, but uh, there still could be another plateau to climb. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Sports Yak welcomes Mark Martell and the Ultimate Queen celebration to the Silver Creek Event Center at Four Winds in New Buffalo, Michigan, Saturday night, September 7th. Chuck and Corey are big Queen fans and even bigger Mark Martell fans. So let's put you in the audience that night. Win two tickets to the show. Simply drop us an email at the sports yak with two K's at gmail.com. In the subject line, put Queen. Enter as often as you'd like. No purchase necessary. Winner announced Friday, August 30th. Mark Martell's vocals will blow your mind. And all your favorite Queen songs performed to perfection. Activate your name today with an email to the Sportsiac. Sportsiac with two K's at gmail.com. I, you know, sitting here talking to you, Ted, I feel like you got a movie in you. I feel like there could be a, a great comedy, uh, you know, biography movie. You ever thought about that? <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, uh, and uh, yes, it's uh, it's been spoken about and and discussed, and uh, I've been approached by it. So uh, we'll see what transpires in the future. Who would you like to play you if you could pick anybody? <laughs> oh, I would not know that. Uh, that that would be left up to a to be honest. I'm I'm going to go with my gut on this one. As we've been talking, I think Jack Black might do a good job. Oh yeah, the the question is. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's that's true. And you know what? I did do a commercial with Jack Black uh, last year for um, for his Jumanji movie uh, when that came out, and uh, we did it for um, we did it for ESPN, and I got to beat him, and uh, we chatted just for a, a brief moment. But uh, yeah, we did a, 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 a when he was in character for in his Jumanji character, we did the, we did a commercial. Okay. Ted Giannolis is the famous chicken, thefamouschicken.com on uh, social media as a website. And, Ted, it has been a pleasure and a privilege talking to you, and thanks for giving me a little nostalgia for my childhood. I appreciate this. I appreciate the kind thoughts. Thank you very much, Corey. Hey, business owner, there's a new way to get your message out. Advertising with the Sports Yak Podcast with Chuck Freebie and Corey Mann. With over 100 episodes in the archives, this is the number one sports podcast on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Actually, the only sports podcast on the network. With a mix of headlines, humor, and heart, this podcast continues to grow with three new episodes a week. With over 1,200 downloads in May of 2019, you can be assured your message will be heard by many. For example, their monumental episode 100 has been downloaded over 280 times. And with your commercial message strategically placed in the podcast recording, it'll be one of the first items the audience hears. 
Whether it's your advertising message or a podcast sponsorship, we'll help get your messages to the masses. Contact the sportsyak at gmail.com. That's the sportsyak with two K's at gmail.com for more info and download an episode of Sports Yak and hear for yourself. iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you download podcasts. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca Cola, Pepsi, or 7 Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.